This call is being recorded. Hello and welcome to my show, Searching for Integrity. My name really is John Smith, and I'm searching for people with integrity. Why? Because our country suffers from IDD, Integrity Deficit Disorder. We have as our guest today, Robert Grigor, Master of Counseling Psychology, AKA the Celebrity Savior. Robert, are you there? I am here somewhere. <laughs> You're in Canada. My, t my phone screen tells me so. That is correct. Yes, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Yeah. I had interviewed a number of people from east to west in Canada, and on almost every one of them, except for this one so far, I incurred phone problems on the Canadian end. <laughs> but we're, we're, we're sound like we're cooking right now, so that's good. I'm making up for all of Canada right now. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, I'm going to get an education from what you do and how you do it. And I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, well, uh, you can start with my first question, which is, and my, my audience, I know, is going to need some hand-holding because I, I don't know that they know much about this, but I could be wrong. What is EMDR? Yeah, John. Uh, and, and before I answer that, I just want to say thanks for having me on the show. And for all of the listeners, thank you for having me in your ears and taking, a, taking some time to learn more about EMDR. So uh, what EMDR is, it stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing, which, as you can see, is a very long name. So we just use the acronym of EMDR. And what EMDR is, it's an accelerated form of neurological processing. It's a therapeutic treatment approach where instead of sitting together and talking for uh, several months to years, um, therapy is, is a speedier process where we're taking the earlier root memories that caused a particular distress, so the, the roots underneath uh, a particular person's problems and processing them away. And we'll get into more of that uh, later, but it's, uh, it's not, uh, I usually have to explain, it's not electroconvulsive therapy. It's not ECT. Um, it, you're not going to be shocked or anything like that, but we are working in the brain. We're helping the brain to um, rewire itself, uh, as many people might know the brain is incredibly plastic, which means that it can change its neurological um, ordering as it learns and grows and, and, and uh, moves through this life experience. So it's a fast process, less talking than regular talk therapy, and uh, it works. Well, it's, uh, it's, its origin goes back to the late 80s, I believe. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah, Dr. Francine Shapiro. Mm -hmm. um, a researcher, uh, as the story goes, was walking through a park while she was debating and deliberating in her mind some uh, very distressing things in her life. And she found her eyes moving back and forth 
between uh, what was in the park, you know, trees, birds, stuff like that, and back and forth, and she suddenly started to notice that she was feeling less distressed. And um, that was one of the best moments in therapeutic history because she recognized that something was happening in her brain just by moving her eyes back and forth. And so she went out to discover what was going on here, you know, as the researcher that she was. And um, she discovered, uh, as she started working with her, I believe at that time, her roommate, um, and, and then recognized that the same phenomenon would occur when they were thinking about something distressing, and then they would move their eyes back and forth, they would start to feel less distressed. And she then um, discovered that just telling them to move their eyes back and forth wasn't really uh, effective. So she then used her hands and they followed her hand back and forth. And so she, and she was able to control that a little bit more. And then she thought, well, this is pretty interesting. And so she took this to her um, doctorate uh, research lab and she discovered that, you know, she could do this with people that were uh, very distressed, you know, and she, the first um, real EMDR subjects came from uh, Vietnam, uh, post-war veteran, veterans from Vietnam, and um, she discovered that she can dramatically reduce PTSD symptoms. At that time, I think it might have still been called shell shock, um, and uh, that was starting to work. It was really changing their experience. And uh, back then, I believe it was called EMDI movement desensitization. She didn't really know about the reprocessing part. And now, after, you know, 30 years since she first started working on this, um, we know that it's not exactly um, eye dependent. So um, even blind people can do EMDR. We can tap um, on the legs or uh, the person can tap themselves or you can listen to audio tones. So it's really not so much the eyes per se, it's what's called bilateral stimulation, where we're activating both the right hemisphere of the brain and the left hemisphere of the brain in alternating fashions, which allows information that was stuck from one side of the brain to move over and to uh, basically unstuck itself, unstick itself so that it can then um, move more fluidly and a person doesn't have to remain trapped by uh, past experiences. Wow. Um, when did you know that you wanted to do this, that you wanted to study it and become an expert? When did you know that? John, that's a good question. Uh, it's a funny one, actually. Um, so I got into psychotherapy in general because I wanted to help people. I also wanted to help myself. Um, which is usually how therapists enter the field because uh, we recognize that we also uh, need therapy. And um, I jumped right into the deep end, as I like to call it, with uh, working with male survivors of sexual abuse. And I was doing that with talk therapy. I looked up to the great talk therapists of the time. And, uh, if, you know, uh, I looked up to Irvine Yalom and Carl Jung and, uh, even Sigmund Freud, uh, you know, had some of my attention. And uh, I thought that I wanted to grow old with my clients and, you know, have uh, be invited to, you know, weddings or bar mitzvahs, you know, 20 years later for their kids. So I just thought long-term therapy was the way to go. 
about two years into working with uh, these traumatized males, I recognized that I was going to burn out before I even got to five years, and they were going to burn out too. And while I was able to give, you know, really good uh, contained therapy sessions where they could disclose this abuse sometimes for the very first time in a, in a you know, caring and unconditionally accepting environment, it still just wasn't enough. They needed something more. So I remembered in my master's education, I remember sitting in my classroom and uh, my, my professors were talking about this thing called EMDR. And I remember just sloughing it off to the side of the margins of my book. And I thought, if I ever have to you know, work with somebody who's really traumatized, I'll give them to the EMDR therapist and that'll be that. And I thought, well, this is that time I have to look into EMDR. And so then I, I, I looked for a course. I saw one here in Vancouver and I signed up and uh, I almost left. I'll tell you this. I almost left it before the first lunch break of the, the weekend um, intensive training. Uh, there's there's uh, two weekends plus a whole bunch of extra stuff in between. But uh, the first day I almost left. I thought this looked so ridiculous, so incredible that it wasn't possible. And so I almost left and then I decided, you know, Robert, you're paying for this course. It's, it's, it's continuing education credits, which I require anyway. Just do it. One of the best decisions I've ever made. John, you still there? Can you hear me? I can hear you. You hear me? Yes. Okay. There we go. Okay. Lost you there That's for a minute. That's all right. We're back. Um, I wanted to explore a little bit of my own. Um, one of the items here on the list was the psychological legacy you come away with from your family. And as uh, as a child, uh, my my sister and I, and I'm talking about us being uh, ages eight and six or six and four, that type of thing. And <clears throat> our father, geez, sounds like I'm in a Catholic church. Um, my dad, <laughs> he uh, he had problems. Um, he was a a, a son of of 10 in the family and he they basically they ran out of bed so he slept with his mother mm -hmm. and lo, lo and behold there was another another child born and when he was seven or eight years old he lost his spot in the bed mm. and he never overcame it he never he, he took he took it to his grave yeah. and in the process my sister and i were, would go to our mother and say you know, mama, why is daddy crying? And she would say, I don't know, because he's sad. Why is he sad? I don't know. And then later on, with my own, you know, getting my toes in the water with some marital uh, counseling, uh, I wanted to, to you know, look at it from that standpoint of it's tough. It's tough work. Therapy is, is tough work. Don't let anybody tell you it's not.
Um, and when you talk about uh, people uh, having some time and, and not as much as over and over and over and over, much like you made your decision in terms of uh, what you get from it. And it sounds to me, you sound like a very happy person. And sometimes uh, I, I remember visiting with people that seemed to be as, as depressed as I was, <laughs> uh, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's my legacy. I'll give you that. Um, just did. Uh, I appreciate it's, that. It was fantastic that something like this is available for those that, that are thinking then to themselves, you know, I may, should try that. Should, maybe should try that. And that's what I'm hoping from, from this, uh, from this session. Um, I really appreciate that. Thank you for sharing your experience. Um, not just with me, but with all, uh, your your audience that's going to be listening to this, and you know, I think I think that you know it's important to give ourselves permission to open up our perspective of what might be possible. Mm -hmm. And um, one person's experience could be just their their experience, and um, but we're born into uh, family legacies where, you know, there's not just the um, life experiences that someone passes down, but it's the, the, the psychological perspective, their belief system that's passed down from generation to generation. And I believe this is completely survival based. It's, it's, it's written into our, uh, evolution as a species to survive. Um, so we might need to have certain uh, belief systems like, uh, for example, the world is dangerous. Um, that, that probably kept us alive for, you know, uh, 2000 years as a species or, or as our genetic line. And, you know, there's, there's research now out that, that exists that shows that um, experiences that happen up to seven generations ago is coded within the genes, right? So mm -hmm. um, we are, you know, kind of uh, responding to what seven generations ago uh, or more perhaps uh, was responding to. So it's really important to take a look at what one's beliefs are and where they came from. And uh, this could be a, uh, it can be explored in a variety of ways. You can just sit down and start thinking about what your family uh, legacies are. What do they believe about certain areas of life? What do they believe about uh, money? What do they believe about safety? What do they believe about career or work or entrepreneurship? Or what do they believe about, uh, you know, a number of things. And, and this is a great opportunity to start to open up to see some possibilities because you're right. Uh, I, I do consider myself to be a pretty happy person. And um, there are people out there that uh, are counseling or, or, or coaching or guiding or mentoring others. And um, the question that I always like to ask people is, you know, it, would you seek um, – you know, if you wanted to create a business of, you know, multiple millions of dollars, would you go to ask somebody who's, uh, you know, struggling to get by for guidance? 
or do you want to ask the multimillionaire who kind of knows a few things about those those subjects? Um, so it's it's really important where you get your information from and whose guidance you know that you that you um, open yourself up to. Because as children, our we're we're designed to open and accept anything from our parents because we need them to survive. And um, so we become sponges and we just sort of mold ourselves to what we think or what our, our adaptive capabilities in our brain are saying that we need in order to survive. Well, I, I certainly agree with that. I, um, I know that you were describing that, the belief, um, and a lot, the, the word popped into my head, afraid. You know, a lot of mm -hmm. people are just afraid, afraid mm -hmm. of this, afraid of that, not to, not to do this or that to help myself. I'm just afraid. Yeah. Um, I ended up, um, ended up, it sounds like, no, I'm not ended up yet. Um, with uh, the VA uh, diagnosed me as having PTSD two years ago. And mm -hmm. And, and it wasn't Vietnam. I was in Vietnam, yes, but it wasn't Vietnam. It was uh, a, a period of 20, 20, 25 years that I went through with uh, extreme stress. And it, uh, it's, it's been with me since, since, since then. I uh, uh, have also sought, sought that, counseling for that. You bet. Uh, I'll take anything I can get. And I think others should too. Give it a shot. Oh, thank you for sharing that. That's that is so amazing um, that you can share that with with everyone. Appreciate that so much. Uh, wow. And you know, you're 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 bringing up something that I think is important for people to know that um, trauma is a bigger word than um, you know the media, and, you know, textbooks from you know when we. Uh, maybe went through school what it would have talked about that the trauma isn't just the bombings or the car crashes or the assaults that are obviously traumatic it's anything that's causing you to feel high levels of distress and what's particularly distressing for people what becomes even more traumatic is actually the ones that are harder to see but happen on a lower um, intensity level, but for longer periods of time, the duration is longer. And you think about what's going on right now in the world, a constant stress, constantly, not horrible for many, well, some people it's horrible, but for the majority of people, it's not a terrible stressor, but it's just enough that it's creating or shifting people's belief systems um, potentially in a way that's actually activating old stuff mm -hmm. or it could be creating new stuff depending on the person's perspective. But that's mm -hmm. important that you mentioned that, that the PTSD didn't actually come from war, you know, per se, that it, that it was something that happened um, for a long period of time. And, you know, just a, a quick note, our bodies are designed to withstand and our whole neurological system and on our, and our autonomic nervous system through our body is able to respond to a threat and activate the sympathetic nervous system and, and go into what's called fight, flight, freeze, uh, what most people know about that. And then there's a 
a saint, and then there's a, a fawn as well. So you're kind of uh, our, our bodies and brains are just incredible, and they're adaptive to our environment. But we're designed to avoid, you know, um, a lion in the wilderness. And then after that high intensity, we're, we can come back down to a homeostasis. And we're designed to be able to fight, um, you know, a tribe that's maybe trying to overtake our tribe in the wilderness. You know, we're designed for that. And then after that small, short, acute stressor, we come back down to balance and we just move on with our day. But our society today is very different than it was back then. And, you know, the last few hundred years, uh, maybe thousand years, have been, you know, stressful. That we're, especially these days, you know, with, with work and everything, we, a lot of people have a, a, a boss that, or a work or job that they're avoiding going into and they hate it. And so there's constant threat. Oh, did I get that project done? Or, oh, did I remember to, to, to you know, pack the lunch for my kids? Or, oh, did I remember? And this constant stress just begins to erode and eat away at our belief systems and create belief systems that that are help trying to our brain's trying to help us survive but we we remain in a chronic state of stress mm-hmm. and over time our ability to to tolerate and to respond to that stress diminishes and we become less effective <clears throat> and less really able um to to respond logically because the part of the brain that activates when we're under stress is it's a different part of the brain that activates, you know, problem solving skills when we're in a sort of a, uh, just enough stress that we can think about something and, and desire a new outcome. Um, but where if we're under an enormous amount of stress for too long, it's like mm-hmm. that tiger that we're avoiding is mm-hmm. sitting outside your doorstep waiting for you to come out. Every time you look out the window, you'll, there he is. There he is. Right. Now, I would imagine that my listeners out there are measuring themselves right now in terms of whether they qualify for something like this, which there is none. But if they're brave enough to have a look at it, do they, do they think in terms of male-female? Do they think in terms of old and young? Uh, or, of course, a lot of people would probably think, I'm too old, or I'm too young, or I'm, I'm, I'm male, and I don't get along with all the other people. Um, where, how do they define themselves to know that there's some help out there that they haven't tried yet, and they probably ought to get some? The only question to ask yourself is, am I living a joyful, creative life that I'm proud of and excited to wake up to every single day? If your answer is no, then you can go get some help. Simple as that. I've worked with people that are in their late 70s, I believe, also war veterans, and instantly healed their trauma within hours. You know, something that they're carrying for 25, 30 years, 40 years, gone. Imagine how that person's going to live the rest of their life even if it's three more years, don't you want those three years to be joyful and exuberant? What if it's 10? What if it's 15 more years? And in terms of the young, 
Oh, they're the best. I don't, I don't personally work with young, young children. It's just not for me, but there are excellent EMDR therapists out there that work with infants right up to, you know, adolescents, teenagers. There's tons of research out there that shows how effective EMDR therapy can be for those people. Um, and they're actually, they're kind of easier, if you will, than, than you know, someone that's got, you know, 80 years or 50 years of, of memories to go through. Um, children's brains, are, they don't have all the data. They've got small file folders, if you will. And uh, it's quick. You know, a couple of sessions, a couple hours, boom, done. It can be that quick. Well, from today's session, uh, I hope that um, my my audience, my listeners, are taking notes, and they're taking notes for maybe themselves, maybe for somebody else that can point themselves or the other people that they are aware of that could probably use some help to push them and get them going in the right direction because there is a way for people to feel better. And one of those things is the, uh, obviously, the EMDR. And, of course, people like you that, uh, that, that uh, convince people that, that end up convincing themselves that they should have tried it, and they did, and, and it turned out pretty good. I, uh, I'd like for you to, to describe, if you would, the various ways that people can get in touch with you, Robert. Uh, yeah, ooh, I'd love yeah. to. Go ahead, please. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you can reach me a lot of different ways. Um, the easiest way is to just type in the celebrity savior in Google, and it should pop up with either my website, which is thecelebritysavior.com. Um, both the American and Canadian spellings redirect to my webpage. And uh, you can also uh, look me up on Instagram or social media handles. I'm the Celebrity Savior on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. I'm Celebrity Savior and Clubhouse now. I'm Celebrity Savior there too. Um, but yeah, the easiest way is just head to the website and then everything's there for you. Um, and I want to, I also want to encourage people that whenever you're looking for something and uh, you think that this might be an option for you, just tune into yourself. You have within you everything that you need right there inside of you. You're not broken. You have everything that you need to make a decision to move in the direction of something that feels good. There's really two emotions, good emotions and bad emotions. That's it. And then there's a whole bunch of variation in between them. So if something makes you feel good, if you think, oh, maybe therapy is a good idea, notice inside your body. I bet you you can tell that's a good idea. Robert, I want to thank you again for uh, being our guest today. It's been uh an eye-opener for a lot of people, I hope. And uh, so thank you very much. Um, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Sure. It's my pleasure. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to Searching for Integrity. So long and happy trails to all. <laughs>